0: The Beers, Business involves, Balls, presented by House Enterprise and brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com slash house or use the code promo, the promo code house at checkout. Wow, we're five seconds in and I stumbled already. Um, long week of football, sorry, or long day of football. Uh, my brain is a mess. Anyway, I'm Jake, that's Will. Um, man tough opening <laughs> maybe it's because we were cooped inside all weekend but i i'm just going to propose a question to you because we've merged with or not merged but we've brought on small state big takes to our network let's start it off with a big take i'm just going to make one um feel free to agree or disagree i think snow's overrated um so fucking overrated this is coming in <sighs> this takes coming in after probably two feet of snow, uh, in the Rhode Island area. We spent most of our days today shoveling out. I spent a little bit of last night shoveling out. Um, yeah, that, that really sucked. I won't take anything away from the weekend we had, um, thought it was really fun entered the the bubble of the U S river lofts, uh, with, you know, you guys celebrated your birthday, obviously. And, uh, wouldn't trade that for the world. I will trade the two feet of snow for anything else, though. That was fucked up.
1: Yeah, I mean, like at least it was pretty snow, but I mean, two feet was just ridiculous. Shoveling's not pretty fun. Snow.
0: Is there such a thing? It's like I don't know. It's gonna get all
1: dirty and it's gonna get snow. dirty now. But yeah, the state of Rhode Island. I'm gonna give them a four point seven out of ten on how they handled a blizzard. It's supposed to be the biggest blizzard since '78 or 77, whatever. Like yeah, since
0: the blizzard of 78. Yeah. yeah,
1: so it's like they're like hyping it up and the roads were awful. Nobody was plowing. Um, people knew about this blizzard for over a week and then were shocked that a blizzard happened. I'm going to give them a 4.7. Terrible, terrible oh. job. Um,
0: why do we live in New England? And yeah, snow sucks. Snow sucks. We all places and we choose. And you know what's the crazy part? We're never going to leave. No. We're not going to leave. Out of all the cool places in the world, you and I are going to be in New England or the Northeast. Almost, That's almost a guarantee. And here we are complaining about it. Yeah,
1: global warming will stop the now.
0: <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Might make it worse beforehand. Yeah, who knows? Be... Um, great guests for you guys this week. We've got Jesse Cole, the owner of the Savannah Bananas. Um, this is one, Will, that I just, you know, like I... We chatted with him and we log on to the Zoom and he's already doing a slow clap before we uh, get going with him. I mean, not every day that you get a guy that extracts so much value out of a failing minor league franchise and now makes it one of the most popular sports brands in the world.
1: Guy was an absolute character. I mean, he is one of those names and people that you've seen on the news, you've seen on social media. You've heard about the Savannah Bananas. Like even if you're not a baseball fan, you're like, oh, I know them. It's like they're the ones that are blown up on TikTok, or I've seen them on social media over the years. So it's like to put the character with the name, and you know, having Jesse Cole on the podcast was pretty pretty awesome. I mean, I thought one of the top interviews we've had, you know, in the baseball realm in in, in any realm. He was, you know, fulls of highs, lows, great story great experience and uh yeah i mean his message is strong as ever and uh, i'm excited to read his book as well but yeah double two weeks in a row at jesse after having no Jesses, we have two jessies um and we're happy to share the story with you of jesse Cole and the savannah bananas
0: that is high key hilarious <laughs> have had a grand total of zero Jesses, and now we've got two what a thought that's Would pretty thought. sick uh, here we are we're Not a Jesse podcast, but we might be doing some math here. (laughs) You look at the sample size of the past two weeks. If your name's Jesse, we'll have you on our show. How's that? Anyone listening, if your name is Jesse, come on the show next week. And we'll keep this Jesse train going. Um. Yeah, I know a few Jessies offhand. We owe a uh, chunk, uh, maybe a nice little phone call. I guess so. <laughs> but I don't know what we talk about with him. Uh, lots of stuff. Let's dive in. Um, you know, the, I'm going to keep a positive attitude because we are interviewing one of the most positive people we've ever had on the show. So I'm going to, I know I just said snow sucks. A great positive angle for this was we got to have a bunch of good times with our friends and we got to dig up some craft beers that were deep in the fridge. So very good stuff. Uh, Two feet of snow on the ground. We had a lot of beer, as you can imagine. Uh, What would you like to review?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of matches the name. Uh, You know, we were trying to stay warm from the winter debris and I had winter warmer for moniker. Um, Honestly, I wish we had this when we interviewed them, I guess it was still too early on in the season that they didn't have any uh when we when we launched that interview but winter warmer it's brewed with milano pepper cinnamon and lactose um taste of brown sugar sweet cinnamon peppery lightness um i thought it was one of the better winter warmers that i've had in a long time and you know winter warmers i wouldn't say are like my you know like those winter spice tales aren't necessarily my favorite but when you have one that's just like very good you're like okay you know, I don't mind this after a long cold day, like this is a, a perfect pick me up, but I thought Moniker did a very good job on this. I mean, kind of would have figured too, you know, they're very inspired by the Eastern European um, kolch style beers. You know, they, this one really touches that European um, style of beers that they, they really like and enjoy. So four out of five for me in the winter warmer, really, really, really liked it. I'm going to pick up a four pack next time I
0: swing over. Um, solid, solid beer. Did you know that you and I have had this before you and I had this when it was still in the tank and not done. Correct. A few months ago. Correct. So, because that was, remember that we're, we're in the back, you know, go back to episode. Oh man, I forgot offhand what episode moniker was, but we were in the building and Jeff's taking us around. He goes, yo, look at this. This is brand new. And we, it was post-episode. It was post-episode. Post we post filmed. Episode. We had a couple beers with Jeff outside. He's like, yo, let me take you guys in the back. Yeah. And then he starts cracking open random shit. And he's like, yo, try this. This is a winter beer, but it has Milano peppers in it. <laughs> We're like, okay, yeah. fuck. And it was really good. Impressed. Um, And it's one of those, again... Have we been critical of Moniker? I don't really think that's fair to say, but you know, from a beer perspective, the the general consensus is like, all right, a little bit better beer in Rhode Island, um, you know, around there. Like beer on Earth versus Moniker beer only, maybe beer on Earth. Moniker is growing though. Moniker is coming out with new shit, and it's not necessarily to compete with everything; it's surrounded it out. Like, I mean, their beer has objectively been better this past six months or so.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. And it's just the I Rhode Island, is. Rhode Island Testament. I mean, I do want to share one thing uh, before you head into your beer. And I know you're going to be doing a Rhode Island beer as well, but I wrote a blog about this, um, couple, couple days ago, and it was the K Van Borgendien, who is like an anonymous or not anonymous. He is just, uh, the owner or CEO of, um, Dutch bulbs, which is like a floral company they wrote a they did an annual report on top beer gardens in the state of in in the entire united states and providence rhode island got number one providence rhode island did get number one i'm pulling it up right now what it was based off of so they had this annual report and they based every single city in the united states off a bunch of different categories so average participation per year Number, numbers of beer gardens and breweries per capita, annual average, annual, a, annual average temperature- English? Street, English, uh, cost of a domestic pint of beer, and Google Trends search volume for beer in the state. Providence got a score of 37.19 out of 50, securing the top spot over Chicago, Denver, Philadelphia, San Diego, Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, Portland, Pittsburgh, and Minneapolis. I think it's a round of applause for Providence. Big, big, I mean, we're not going to take any credit because we're not making the beer, but we do highlight the breweries. We are, you know, pumping up the Google Trends volume and stuff, and this, this was the, the number that kind of surprised me too. So 126 beer gardens and breweries per capita in Providence and the state of Rhode Island with a walk score of 78 out of 100.
0: Yeah, that walk score is what stood out in that data set to me. It's like that – am I saying the numbers are inflated? No, but there are – the reality is that it's a very, like, clustered walking city, which I Mm -hmm. think we know, and that's okay because, like, you're not realistically going to go to to seven or eight breweries in one day. You'll probably go to three, right? You'll probably start at beer on Earth. You hop somewhere, maybe to Bayberry. Then you go to Moniker or Moniker in the Bayberry for dinner, right? And shit like that, that I think, you know, this is a city for beer.
1: It's becoming a destination. And I think the reason it sparked me not only for the blog, but also mentioning moniker is they were, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff was like, we need to make Providence and Rhode Island that beer destination. It's like when you're coming here, you know, this is a tourism spot, you know, you can see the arts, you can have great food, but come for the beer as well. Don't shoot up to Boston um, there's obviously nothing wrong with it, but there's a lot of great stuff in the 401. So big dub for beers, business, and balls and the craft beer market in the 401.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, we'll keep it in Rhode Island as well. Gray sale and company. Everybody knows that, um, you know, captain's daughter, which is the best IPA in Rhode Island. Possibly. Um, it was for me for a while, um, Flying Jenny, Little Sister, so many good things. Um, I actually had this a few weeks ago for Christmas. I feel like I'm like a few weeks behind every single week in my beer reviews. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I'm just going down the, the checklists here. There's something called the Wheelhouse Series that they do, and I don't really know what else is in it. Maybe I'll have to do some research, but it's called Kegnog, this one. And this is after Christmas Eve dinner. Um... You know, I, I had a lot of fish, uh, a lot of different pasta and all this stuff. And then I had kegnog. My grandfather says, you know, here you go. Try this for dessert. It's good. It's pretty good. Um, milkshake IPA with lactose, vanilla, and Amarillo hops. Uh, tastes like a creamy vanilla shake and hints of citrus. And they go on to say happy festivus. Um, Here's the deal. When you have a beer that says Kegnog on it, I'm expecting, you know, like I thought it was gonna be dark, first of all. Um, thought it was gonna be like a stout, it was a bright old IPA. Um I, I get why they say the Kegnog, like the that they're calling it like an eggnog beer, but my taste buds are probably off. I, I just expected something so much heavier. Um I'm still going to give this a three, five though. And I think there's a few, I get this was just objectively like a good milkshake IPA. You know, when you have a milkshake IPA, like, you know, maybe it was missing fruit or something. I don't really know, but I mean, that's probably doing too much. Um, The hops were great. It was an IPA that basically tasted like vanilla. Um, I'm okay with it. Good dessert beer for me. And that's a review. Gray sale. I would have it again. I would try it again. Maybe with a slice of pound cake or some shit too. Um, pretty good stuff from Gray Sale.
1: Yeah, mixed mixed reviews on untapped. More leaning towards uh, people like it. I'm curious to see what else is in their wheelhouse series. What necessarily that means. It might just be a name for them. Uh, but Gray is is one that I haven't been to in a while. And I, mean, I haven't been to it at all. Yeah, it's been... It's been, a, it's been a few years, to be completely honest. and a hike. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Wait, no. Gray Sail, um, when did I go? I went in March of last year. Oh. Very, very small. It's
0: way down south.
1: Very small. And it's in the middle of nowhere. But they have decent stuff.
0: I mean well, they I have a better review and
1: I mean we'll 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 check them out at the beer festival uh next week as well but it's been a while since I've had anything besides Captain's Daughter and Flying Jenny.
0: Yeah, they just released a uh, little sister about a year ago too. And that one's pretty good. It's like a less hopped up version of Captain's Daughter. Captain's Daughter's a <laughs> 9% IPA and it doesn't taste like one. It takes like a 5% IPA. Yeah. It's really good. Um just a very hoppy beer, but without any of that like thick New England stuff. It's I I, I like it a lot. It's a lighter beer. It, it's a heavy beer that tastes like a light beer. It's incredible. I think that's a sweet spot if you're drinking a ton of them. You can drink like a few Captain's Daughters and, you know, that, and that'll be good because um, it's 9%, but Captain's daughter's, um, Captain daughters 9% or are you saying? No, it's 9%. It's 8.6. I'm pretty sure really yeah but it tastes like it's five or six percent yeah yeah huh the more you know (laughs) a little rainbow um i plug for the rhode island brew fest on this weekend it's saturday the 5th um all the tickets are gone and we are not sponsors of the rhode island brew fest so you can go and google rhode island brew fest and find out more but we'll be there um, if anyone has if anyone's going please come say hello to us it shouldn't be too hard we'll have a videographer there with us and probably decked out in our shit
1: so yeah shout out to gray marketing and uh matt over at ragged island for hooking us up and we're excited to uh
0: crush over 100 beers responsibly Very responsibly. 19 full craft beers is what we had the last time we went. We need to figure out pretzel necklaces. We need to do that now.
1: Need to figure out pretzel necklaces, (laughs) need to figure out recording this because I mean, I don't know about you. Well, I don't know about me, but you took over a year to put them all in untapped. I guess
0: I took it. it It was actually almost two years. It took a pandemic for you to sit down and put it in untapped. No, it took three variants. Yeah. I, it down and do it. <laughs> I was like, I was cleaning up my notes. I'm like, fuck, I never put those into untapped. I just kept going. Eh, sounds like a project. I'll do it later. I mean, I remember at the end of my list, it was
1: like, you can tell how like, I, I don't want to say sloppy we were, but everything was the same score towards the end. And everything yeah,
0: is it's, it's really good. Awesome. Everything,
1: everything was a three, seven, five towards the very end.
0: And that's the same what it's going to be this time. It's going to be like, this beer is also good, but it tastes the fucking same after hundreds. (laughs) Yeah. But no, we're excited and uh, more content to come from the Craft Beer Fest. I'm very excited. We're going to have a few members of the House Enterprise community there, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a full-fledged force, man.
0: This is going to be the most like House Enterprise people in one room, to my knowledge, right? Probably. Yeah. I think so. And yeah. let's, that would be sick. If we got the, uh, the small state, big takes guys to come up. I know.
1: Too, I know if we, planned, yeah. if we planned better, but tickets, yeah. tickets flew and they, you know, they gave us our handful and uh, called it a day.
0: I know. Yeah. So I don't know. should be fun. Uh, that's our beer segment. Let's very fun episode. Let's go to Jesse Cole. Now we talked about him um, at the beginning of our show. This guy is a true, I mean, what an inspiration this guy is. You know, he goes to Wofford. Um, he starts coaching. He realizes how much he hates it. He starts, you know, working for a, a baseball team, works his way up to the general manager, then buys it, and then has his eyes on a little small A franchise in Savannah, Georgia, which later became the Savannah Bananas. Here is everything about how he got there and the mission he's on to build the nation's greatest show in baseball. Let's do it, here's Jesse Cole.
1: All right, everybody, with us this week, we have entertainer, entrepreneur, baseball extraordinaire, and the man in the yellow suit, Jesse Cole, the founder and the owner of Savannah Bananas. Um, If you haven't heard Savannah Bananas by now, I mean, you're living under a rock. Over a million, almost a million followers on TikTok with 21 and a half million likes. Uh, 100,000 Instagram followers, they're taking over ESPN, John Boy Media, wherever you might see them, Savannah Bananas, it's one of the funnest and coolest baseball teams down south, Uh, Jesse Cole joins the
2: show Jesse first and foremost how are you and thank you for joining the podcast fantastic I'm fired up to be with you guys by the way I've never heard baseball extraordinaire like that's just two things (laughs) I've never heard so thank you for something in my intro I've never heard before but I'll take it it's interesting
1: you're changing the game you're changing the game because the
2: savannah bananas are not in lockout and the MLB
1: is so point one for Jesse again
2: uh, yeah, we'll never be locked out, and there will never be red tape in Savannah Banana World and Banana that's, Land. We don't that's, stop, breaking so. that's, that's breaking news!
0: Breaking news! The Savannah Bananas will never be locked out. Put it <laughs> yeah. on a quote table. Love it. Slap it on a <laughs>
1: T-shirt. So, I mean, let's dive right in. So, you are obviously the founder of this incredible franchise. Um, a lot of people have had dreams to get into sports, um, but you made that dream a reality. Uh, what made you want to get into the industry, and how did that start happen for you?
2: Well, I had no interest in getting in the industry. I was, I was just a kid that wanted to play baseball. Like, that was it. You know, I grew up in uh, City of Mass, South Shore, played for the South Shore Baseball Club. And, you know, I, my old dream was to play for the Red Sox. You know, I, like, pictured that call over and over again on draft day. In the 47th round, I never gave myself like a first round. I was like in the 47th <laughs> round, right-handed pitcher. And uh, and I was on my way. I was got a full college scholarship. I was getting letters, not from the Red Sox, but the Pirates, the Padres, and uh, uh, New York Mets. Uh, good thing it wasn't the Yankees. But anyways, I was getting all the, I was getting these uh, cards. So I was on my way, but then I tore my shoulder and that ended my career. Dr. Andrews tried to get me back in Birmingham, Alabama. I was able to get in with him. That didn't work. My shoulder was shot and uh, that was it. And so like, it wasn't, that was it. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I thought I was going to get into coaching and didn't like that at all. And I had no options. Got an email about an internship, an unpaid internship with a team that doesn't even exist anymore. And I said, let's just take that and see what happens. And, you know, I think you learn what you want by doing. Everyone says, find your passion. Just start doing things and you'll find out what you love and what gives you energy. And that's kind of what happened to me.
0: So after school, or when, whenever it is, you, you have a quick tour. We're talking about this before we we hit the record button. You have a quick tour in the in the Cape Cod League coaching. That was an experience for you. Um, and basically, the thing you got out of that was I don't want to do that again. Tell us about
2: your your Cape Cod experience. So it was a, you know volunteer assistant job. I was the lowest on the totem pole uh, coaching with a great coach, uh, Mike Roberts, and, uh the Katua Kettleers, who is still close with to this day. But I was, you know, I was assigned uh, working on the field, which me doing operations, I mowed the lawn, like I worked on the dirt, and then I was assigned on, on moving the outfielders, which I had no idea how to do. I was a pitcher DH, um, but I was sitting in the dugout with some of these guys, and that team, if you look at that team, numerous all-stars on that team, every single player ended up uh, getting drafted, most of them played in the bigs, best seat in the house, and I was bored out of my mind. All right. There's a difference on playing baseball versus watching baseball. And the crazy thing is I learned I'm not the only one that shares that same thought process because now viewership is down dramatically. The Major League Baseball games have gone longer for seven straight years. Attendance is down dramatically. And so I started seeing that when I was 22 years old watching baseball as I thought it was gonna be a coach. I was born on my mind. I said, well, what if I took the other aspect and I went in the front office and could make the game more fun more entertaining for anybody and even myself to watch I became the first fan to try to create someone I'd want to watch and uh, that's where it all started back in 2007 yeah and then your time with the
1: Gastonia Grizzlies in North Carolina I mean that's a true success story in itself it's like you
2: you worked your way up to owner and president Uh, what was that process for you like oh it it was amazing that first day showed up there's only $268 in the bank account and I'm the GM at 23 years old. And the only way you get that job is that nobody wanted it in the world and it's the worst team in the country. So yeah, it was outstanding. (laughs) I took that. (laughs) $268 in the bank account, uh, payroll on Friday. Uh, Team had lost $150,000 the previous year. Uh, There were only 200 fans coming to the games. So what did I get myself into? Luckily, there was some beer left over from the the season. So I was able to have a few beers at the end of that first day, wondering what did I get myself into? But the reality (laughs) is what happened is uh i just started reading every book on pt barnum walt disney bill beck you name it amazon just trying to figure out what to do uh marketing uh john spolster marketing outrageously i really got into it all and i didn't pay myself until december 1st was my first paycheck because there was no money in the account and wow. i said we can't be a baseball team so i remember calling the owner of the team and i said we're not gonna be a baseball team he goes, what are you talking about i go we're gonna be a circus and a baseball game will break out he's like well what are you talking about our players will do choreographed dances we'll have grandma beauty pageants uh, i'll get in the dunk tank every game we'll have you know donut burgers donut dogs and see what happens and luckily, he didn't fire me, he gave me a chance. And at 23, I started trying things and experimenting. And, uh, you know, what happened in Gastonia in 10 years, you know, went from uh, the worst in attendance to fourth in the country, sell out games, uh, you know, became a million dollar franchise and was able to buy it and had a lot of success. And fortunately, because Savannah got so big, we we're able to sell it and go all in on Savannah. So it was a big learning experience, a lab for over 10 years. And I think what everyone needs that an opportunity to learn and test things. And I had that in a small market where no yeah. one even no- noticed us, which was pretty cool.
0: Would you attribute, I mean, it certainly sounds like that alone was your big, like that was the X factor in setting you up for the later success that you'd have, like just the ability to learn and test and go do stuff. What, was, what would you say the, the ultimate factor was
2: while you were in Gastonia for your success? Well, again, I think everyone talks about, uh, you've got to do more surveys. You gotta be, I'm so against surveys, it's outrageous. Like surveys, like Henry Ford, if you ask people what they want, they would have said faster horses. Like, you know, and the right. same thing, like no one would say they want something set up in their house uh, that looks like a uh, black Pringles can that listens to everything you say and you talk to it. Like 10 years ago, no one would say that. yet. Alexa's in every single house. Like it, you don't know what you want until you see it. And so for me, it was a lab. I had to see like people. I went. I met with people, and they were like, "We don't like baseball. We don't like baseball. We don't like baseball." And the more times I hear that, and said, "Our people won't like it. I won't like it." I was like, "Okay, then we can't play a baseball game." So I started saying, "I go, I oh, they won't like a game." So I go, "Perfect. They love our shows." And they're like, "They're like, what are you talking about?" And I go, "I go, well, you know, it's a complete entertainment experience. It's an it's a show. You're going to watch players dance." And I said that before knowing how the heck I was going to get players to dance. And, I, and that's why i had to bring a dance instructor that first practice back in 2008 and say guys before we practice we're going to learn how to dance and you know i tested it and i watched as, as fans cheered and then those guys signed more autographs and then the third game of them dancing i'm walking through the crowd and a husband <clears throat> and wife are talking and all of a sudden i see the wife go shut up honey they're about to dance and i was like all right all right we're on to something and so by doing it i learned what worked and i kept watching it and trying it. and yes salute to underwear night and flatulence fun night. And, uh, you know, uh, geez, we did salute to toilet paper night. I mean, we did so many nights that failed miserably, <laughs> but it was a great learning experience. And because we were doing this lab, we're in the small town, south of Charlotte, there was no media, no news that I could learn, learn, learn 10 years of learning that took us into Savannah. And I think that's what people don't realize. Oh, Savannah, look what's happens. I'm like, guys, you have no idea how much failure and learning we went
1: into that. So before we get into you know, the transition to Savannah, the question I had was, how did you get the buy-in to the pl- with the players? To be like, hey, you didn't?
2: Not at first, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that first time we had a dance instructor, we had guys say, I'm not doing it. They went out to the bullpen They said, I'm here to play ball. And uh, you know, what happened was, I think to get buy-in, you have to get buy-in because of outside praise recognition. So for instance, guys are trained in baseball and when they have a great game they get recognition right that's just what happens so it encourages them to continue to do it that's buy-in for having good games but what was happening the guys who were dancing the guys who were passing out roses in the crowd to little girls the guys who were doing you know the village people dance and the ymca the guys who were doing that were getting more praise after the games than the guys who went three for four with two doubles and so what happened is that is that recognition. That's the feedback loop that was driving buy-in. But it took many years. You know, the first year you get, you get a few guys buy-in. Then they see the videos of them dancing and that starts getting traction. Then you get more buy-in the next year and then the next year. So it's, it's really, I mean, there's one point where the Grizzlies had more Facebook fans than every minor league team in the country. And uh, you know, just for it was for two months, but it was a good two months for us because we were sharing those videos, and that showed us that that was a good way to get feedback. So um, it takes a while. And same thing in Savannah, you know, where this new team, and people were making fun of the name. The players were like, "What am I into?" Until they started seeing sold out crowds, and people were like, "We love you guys." So co- almost concurrently, while you owned the Grizzlies,
0: you had your eyes set on on what would become the Savannah Banana. So what what made you go take the plunge? You know, what was that? What was that process like, and how did uh, how did Jesse
2: Cole become the owner of the Savannah Bananas? I didn't have my eyes on Savannah at all, to be honest with you. Oh. I, I had my eyes on uh, this director of fun that was working for us, Emily McDonald. Um, right. I, 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 I fell in love with her, and um, I proposed... At our last game of our 2014 season in front of a sold-out crowd, the plan was to do the seventh inning in between the inning, bring the whole staff. But we let up nine runs in the first inning, um, so the game was just dragging, and fans started leaving. We had a sold-out crowd, so I moved it up. She didn't want to come on the field. She's like, "I'm popping popcorn, Jesse. I gotta do the popcorn." I'm like, "No, you gotta come on the field. Our whole staff's out there." And so I proposed to her stop the game, had the ring inside a baseball, I had a fireworks show for ten minutes that just went on way too long, and the umpire was like, "When are we gonna play again?" And everyone <laughs> thought I was an idiot, which I'm very good at um and then so that night she couldn't sleep she was so excited she never said yes but I think she came over and hugged me I think that meant we were going to get married so anyways <laughs> she, she stayed up that whole night and uh, I didn't realize it but she was blown away you know the ring and the presentation and I had her I, flew, I had her family there and my family there and it was it was a big event at the game so she planned a trip to Savannah Georgia And I never been to Savannah, Georgia, you know, never even, you know, I'd never been to it, but heard it was great. We went down there. It wasn't plans to go to any baseball game. We just were going down the city, but we heard that the minor league Mets affiliate was having a game. So I was like, oh, let's just go and check it out. So we went to the stadium and big brick columns, 1926 old majestic ballpark. I mean, it's called a stadium, even though it's smaller ballpark, but it was a stadium back then. And I walked in 80 degree night, gorgeous walk right up into the grandstand and there was less than a hundred people in the stands. And I proceeded to watch that game with Emily, and saying, "This ballpark's amazing. This city's amazing. There's no one here." So I texted the commissioner of the league, and I said, "This team leaves. We're coming here." And lo and behold, they asked for forty million dollars stadium. The city said, "No way. You don't draw forty people." And so they left. We convinced the city to come, and that's when it happened. It was by happen chance. It like there was no, no initiation or planning that. So we just went in there and. We convinced the city to give us a shot, and that's when the city and everyone thought they made the worst decision they've ever made by allowing us to come to Savannah.
1: Yeah, I mean, watching the stories and the videos that you had on it, it was like, you know, when the that was probably one of the best decisions the Mets ever did was to leave because it opened that door for you. And um, not renovating that stadium, and I mean, it kept the history in the ballpark, and it kept um you know fans at least somewhat of a buy-in until you came in but times weren't easy you know at the very beginning those early days just three months in um ownership you, you got the call from ownership and the bank account was overdrafted um how was the start of the savannah bananas that transition into savannah and like how did you start to build it up
2: to uh you know make this so much bigger Thanks for bringing up our darkest time. I appreciate that, William. Let's go there. Uh, yeah, I
1: mean, uh, we do both sides. It comes on no, 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 no. LinkedIn, it's,
2: man. It's, it's, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> i shared this Uberous ties. part of the story. So when he came in with myself, my wife, our 24-year-old president, Jared, three 22-year-olds. I mean, what a crew. Former team cut the phone lines, cut the internet lines. We were working in a storage building. We grabbed a picnic table, put it into the storage building, and said, let's just see what we can do. Used our cell phones, calling everyone. No one, want, no one wanted anything to do with us. You're a college summer team. You're not even serving alcohol. I'm like, we're serving alcohol. Like, no, you're not. You're college. I'm like, yes, we are. I had no interest in working with us. Uh, we'd like, you know, are you interested in partnering with our team? Nope, no one's going to be at your games. You won't sell a ticket. Okay, this is going well. So it got so bad that January 15th, 2016, it was, it was um, yeah, from our, our, Alex called us from our staff and just said, uh, Jesse, we're about to overdraft our account. And I was at my best friend's wedding, my college roommate, and uh, we were overdraft our account. We we're going to miss payroll. And at that point, we had already gone a million dollars in debt by buying the franchise, putting money in, trying to get equipment, furniture, everything along those lines. And so, yeah, me and Emily drove back and, uh, from the wedding and she said, we have to sell our house. We sold our dream house, emptied out our savings account and literally emptied out. You know, had a couple hundred dollars to our name, and said we got to go all in. So we bought a dump that you could buy with zero percent down, and uh, we put got an air bed. Emily got a twin air bed, which wasn't the smartest move. She could have at least got a queen. It was like thirty dollars more, but she's like, we can't spend the money. So I'm sleeping on a twin air bed with my wife, who we just got married three months ago, and I'm like, up. Oh, this is how we drew it up. This is our life. And uh, so we had thirty dollars a week to go grocery shopping, um, and we just said we got to. We got to go all in. We got to be different. We can't do what everyone else is doing. That's what happened. We came in. I wasn't wearing the yellow tux. We were marketing like everyone else. We are doing everything like everyone else. And we were getting results so much worse than everyone else because no one trusted us. No one knew us. No one even had an idea what we were going to do. So then we said, we're just going the complete opposite. And that's when naming the team, the bananas coming up with the banana and Anna senior citizen dance team, the man male cheerleading team, the breakdancing coach, the banana pep band offering president, former president Obama, an internship with us. We just kept going on all the ways to create attention. We just had to get them into our ballpark, so That was the first step. And so what was to
0: come though, it's really a coming of age story for this team because it's the, and for you almost, because it was the deepest, darkest times when you didn't know how your bills were going to get paid to to your baby now taking the world by storm, basically it's, and you know, this is right from your site. It's, we're not your typical baseball team. We're different. We take chances. We toe the line, we test the rules. We challenge the way things are supposed to be. So in your own words, you know, what makes the banana so
2: great and so different? It starts for who you are and what you stand for. So what most teams, if you ask any sports team in the country, they say, you know, what's your mission? You know, what do you guys stand for? What makes you different? And I bet you every sports team in the country has trouble answering that question. It starts for us, the name of our company. At first, six seven years ago, before that, we were called in a terrible, we were called Team Call and Associates, which is the worst accounting lawyer name you could ever have. And I was like, what was I thinking? Changed it to who we are. Fans first, entertainment. Our mission, fans first, entertain always. Every decision we ask, is it fans first? We exist to make baseball fun. And how do we do that? Fans first entertain always so by starting that with that and who we are and what we stand for then we just control we just created and designed the experience what most people in sports teams here's what they do they come in every day and they got to sell tickets and they got to sell sponsorship and they got to sell 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 if you look at our staff we don't have anyone that has sales in their position none of us are salespeople. that's not what we do People don't want to be sold. People want to buy. People want to buy. They don't want to be sold. So we just had this mentality said, well, let's put ourselves in our customer's shoes. How can we reimagine the experience? Entertain every step of the way from when they buy tickets to when they not. How can we eliminate every friction point in the experience? How can we make every ticket all inclusive? No ticket fees, no convenient fees, no parking fees, all your burgers, hot dogs, chicken sandwiches, soda, water, popcorn, dessert, everything included $20 flat rate. What if we eliminated sponsorship in our ballpark? Because no one wants to be advertised to, marketed to, or sold to when they come to the ballpark. That was crazy and a terrible business move to do two weeks before a pandemic. But we just kept going down those lines of saying, what is fans first? Now, if you buy merchandise on our website, you don't pay any shipping ever. You get a free koozie, free decal, and a custom yellow box, delivered fresh stamp, yellow tissue paper, and a letter that says this has been sprinkled in potassium. And everyone gets a thank you call. Is that scalable? No way at all. We're doing hundreds of orders all over the country every day, which is now four or five times the revenue we did in sponsorship, but we're still keeping to it because we believe that's how you create fans. It's down the line. Everything we do, we think about how do we create fans, not how do we create revenue. And now Fortunately, I mean, it's 150 straight sellouts. The wait list is over 12,000. We're traveling all over the world. The wait list is now 15,000 for on the road. And uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been wild. It's the wildest dream, huh? It's literally <laughs> the wildest dream. It's, it's, it's better. I'm, I'm not sleep on an air bed anymore and we have three kids. So it's, it's a better situation, I would say. And a, a couple of yellow tuxedos, not just the one. I've got seven sadly. So yeah, my wife's still married to me even with it. So yeah, I got that going for me. I guess. How
0: many is it just I, I'd imagine I'm gonna guess three hats. More? Four? Ten? <laughs> Let's see. All I right. feel like it's
2: ten. What's that? I All
0: feel right, like it's going ten. To, so I'm gonna up so my gonna
2: zoom in here. So <laughs> <how would> you... <laughs> The hats you can't see, but there's four hats hanging up plus this one, so I'm at five now. But okay. I get sent, I get sent these different hats. Some fit, some don't, and I get sent yellow shoes. I got a bunch of yellow shoes, but yeah, it's it's crazy, but it's fun.
0: So where do you even like where do you find the yellow tux originally
2: to start? Oh, I, obviously, brightcoloredtuxedos.com. You don't. <laughs> visit that for Yeah. I mean, that's that now it's funny. I, uh, so I bought the first one and it was a black one and, uh, you know, I had big tails and a black top hat and I almost melted. It was like a hundred degrees. So I was like, I got to find something lighter. And I actually, people don't know this. I had the yellow tux before Savannah. I had the yellow tux in Gastonia, um, because, uh, I didn't want to, I was putting on a show. I didn't want to dress like everyone else. And the Grizzlies had like gold in there. It was like black and gold. I was like, yellow kind of works. So I, I I searched bright color, tuxedos.com $44 and 95 cents for a full tuxedo. I was like, this isn't going to be the nicest tuxedo, but hey, I'm wearing it in the summer in the heat. Let's just see what happens. Bought it. It worked. People started taking pictures. It became an event. People would call our office. Is the yellow tuxedo guy there? Is the yellow tux guy there? I didn't even have a name. It was just like the yellow tux, <laughs> the yellow tux guy. <laughs> yellow tux guy. And it's funny. If you search yellow tux on Google, I come up. So it's like, all right, whatever. At least, you know, people know it. There's not There's not anyone else out there, hopefully.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing,
2: though, too. You, you take that a
0: step further, and you know, not only are you just the guy with the yellow tux, but you are the author of Find Your Yellow Tux on Amazon. Um I do and, really anywhere else you book, can yeah. yes, <laughs> and um, and you know, anywhere else that you can buy books. But I mean, what in your eyes, you know, what what does it mean to just have so many eyes on you and your product? Obviously, it's it's so it's what you're creating is so different, right? So for you, what responsibilities does that tux carry when you,
2: when you have that, uh, just this massive following across the globe? It's very simple. For, for me, you know, it started as my uniform. You know, I play baseball, when <clears throat> I put my uniform, it's game time. You know, you show up. When well, I put this on at showtime, I'm, I'm on stage, just like we tell everyone on our staff. However, the biggest thing that this does now, it gives our team and people that come to our shows permission to have fun. If an owner is wearing a yellow tuxedo and a top hat and throwing out Dolce, you know, Dolce and banana underwear to the crowd, all right, then everyone else has full permission to go all out and having fun. And I think that's the most important thing today. We always say whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. When you think of an owner of a sports team, what do you think of? Bob Kraft. Yeah, (laughs) what? the the suit, the the tie. Where's the owner sitting? Not, not it's with you not, guys, not with you no. guys, <laughs> the corporate suite, you know, yep. whining and dining with people that make more money than any of us could ever imagine. All right. I'm the guy that is out there greeting fans when they first show up. I'm the guy that's dancing with fans. I'm the guy that's in the crowd because I want people to feel that we're in this together and the owner isn't any different. I'm out there. If I'm having fun, everyone else can have fun. And the reality is most owners of sports teams, when do they have fun? When they win. The team, What's that? When they win. When they win. If you can only guarantee fun a percentage of the time, you're not delivering a great experience. And so my job is to be out there having fun no matter what's happening on the field and the score, because we can control that. Walt Disney was a master of this control the controllables. That's why in movie theaters, you know, how they were treated, they were dirty, you know, <clears throat> it was dark. You couldn't control that experience, how the video was shown. He built Disneyland, he controlled everything. That's why every amusement park thought he was crazy. When they said, you're only going to have one entrance, you know, you're going to have multiple entrances for all the people. He goes, no, it's going to be like a movie. They're going to walk in. They're going to see the train station. They're going to go in the tunnel. They're going to have the smells. They're going to see the movie posters. They're going to feel it. Then they're going to open up and see this grand main street. And then they're going to see the castle. He controlled the controllables. That's why we only have one entrance at our ballpark. Everything we do, I want to control to create the experience. And that's what makes it remarkable, memorable. And, you know, that's what's created our following. You forgot about the turkey legs too at Disney. Uh, you know,
0: that's the first thing they chop into when you walk in.
2: Yes, but. yes, yes. Definitely there are, there are the turkey legs out there, which again, goes, goes into unique unique experiences. Right. You know, you go to ballparks, so the thing people don't realize is all of our food uh, that's all-inclusive is all typical ballpark food. But you better believe we have a slippery banana drink. We have frozen bananas. You know, we have our garbage can nachos. You have those other things that are unique. And I think that's so important for people to think about in a sporting experience. What is that unique thing? You know, it's not just getting a beer and a hot dog, Get something they haven't gotten anywhere else. And then it makes it really remarkable. So you did the research, you have the dream,
1: you have the passion, and it's obviously grown. You talked about being sell like you were sold out. It is one of the hardest tickets to get, harder than Disney World, to get a Savannah banana ticket, huh? But I mean, you were an award-winning franchise and owner, organization of the year, entrepreneur of the year, business of the year, CPL championship, You have the social media growth. But one cool thing, not only the entertainment of the organization, the baseball team as well. The baseball team is obviously pretty damn good, not just entertaining. It's a good team. Um, And you've had multiple people make the pros, including a uh, 2019 first-round pick, Braden Shoemake, for the local Atlanta Braves. So not too shabby. That's pretty cool. But how does that feel for you as an owner that – you're just achieving so much more than the entertainment and the ballpark experience. It's like you're having, you're, you are part of a baseball person's journey and career into, you know, their potential dreams as
2: well. Every year before any guys join our team, they go through fans first you and they can't put on a uniform until they go through fans first year with me. And I tell them the vision of what we're doing, where we've come from and where we're going. But most importantly, I tell the guys, I want this to be the best summer of your life and the most fun you've ever had playing baseball regardless if they go play pro baseball regardless of whatever's next i want this to be the best summer of their life and the most fun they've had to play baseball now that goes solely into our whole mission of making baseball fun so when you're very clear there it's very easy to accomplish that and if you ask guys i have guys every year at the end of the season they hug me and say this was the best summer of my life i've never had this much fun and guys come from all over the country we have about 12 to 1300 players reach out for a 30-man roster um, which is stupid. And and what, what's what's crazy about it, like that's what we focus on. But people don't realize is every sports team competes on the same thing. How do they do on the field? They battle We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We don't compete in that, but we do. We compete against ourselves on to create the best experience and the most fun experience and the best atmosphere. And then that creates a better performance. You guys know right now, I can tell that you enjoy doing this, all right? You're going to put out a better podcast because you enjoy doing this. If you're just doing it like everyone else, all right, here's the podcast. We're doing this. And welcome this guest. The podcast will suck. You won't have fun. And there's no point to it, all right? So we focus on the fun, the atmosphere, and the culture. And the baseball takes care of itself. Yes, we've won more games than any team in the league over the last six years. Two championships. So we've been the number one seed in the playoffs every year. Not bad. And we focus on the fun first. (laughs) I wonder, so it... What's the
0: process like for a player that comes in and reaches out to you guys and says, I want to play here, right? You have to condense all of that reach out down to, down to 30 players. Is that something where you kind of vet them out beforehand, before you even throw them through uh fans first you?
2: Yeah. So I'll give you an example. The best example now is our protein that's playing banana ball. Um, and that's kind of traveling all over the country in our banana ball world tour. The, the college team where we have thousand plus reach out, we, we just send them right to our head coach and our head coach. We already have our roster set. I mean, it's, it's a pipe. I mean, it's 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 much harder to play for the Savannah Men than it is to get in Harvard. Like I like that's like a real, that's a real because you know, when you think about our roster, every guy that plays wants to play again the next year if they still can. So there's only a select few that can actually come in. And we already have those relationships with the college coaches that give us the right guys that understand what we're about. It's very hard. So we just send to their coach, send to our coach, and maybe there's a small chance. Our pro team is different because this is new. And people don't know what the heck we're doing. We're playing banana ball, a game <laughs> they've never played before. We're going to different cities. They're like, who are you playing? I'm like, we're playing our other team. They're like, who's your other team? I go to Party Animals. They go, who makes up that team? I go, maybe you. So like, they don't know what that looks like. But here's what we do. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll read this to you right now. So this gives you an example. Let me see. We got, we got some more submissions last year. So we have them send a the submission, name, date of birth, email, alt, t-shirt, all that stuff. Then we say, you know what they play position played in college professional ball experience, what makes you a great candidate for the bananas premiere experience, what are your special talents examples dancing musical instruments struggling, <clears throat> if you had a unique special entrance or celebration what would it be, shoot a quick video and show us why you deserve to be a banana. save the highlight tapes we want to see your special talent or personality, we highly recommend doing this uh, step during the tryout. and then drop your Instagram and Twitter handle so we can see as well. So we got them sending in videos. We're asking about their talents. We're asking about the unique entrances. We're making them think that this is more than just baseball. That's the differentiator. We, you know, now guys throw 90 plus miles an hour, a dime a dozen, but, you know, can you do glove tricks? Do you have special, do you have trick pitches? You know, do you have the best bat flip in the game? What other tricks can you do? Can you hit in stilts, which a guy showed up to tryouts. He never hit in stilts. He said, I just brought my stilts. And he goes, you want me to walk around? I go, no, I want to see if you can hit. He goes, I've never done that before. I go, well, I want to see what you got. He goes, you sure? I go, yeah, are you, you're not going to fall over. Are you he Goes. I don't think so. So he went in the batting cage. They started, the, the, the pitcher couldn't get pitches in the zone at all because the guy's 10 feet up in the air. Finally he got him in the air and he started driving balls into the gap. And I was like, you made the team kid. <laughs> like, like that's as <laughs> simple as it is so i tell all these players what are the unique talents dalton malden is a country art uh, nashville artist singer he's tremendous unbelievable he's got songs that got a big following you know he played college baseball good ball, ball player but not like professional professional but a good ball player he's on our team like he's unbelievably talented as a musician he can play the game competitively but he's great as a musician you combine those two things together and you got something people have never seen at a ballpark i mean we saw this uh men's league umpire he went on ellen he was doing some twerking after striking after a guy struck out and it was you better believe we sought him out he's 38 years ago i can't believe you guys are calling me right now i'm like well we don't need another umpire we need can you do other dance moves And it's like show us what you can do and he started doing some mj he started doing some other like flossing and started doing some Fortnite stuff or whatever all those weird moves are and uh, you know he's, he's joining us on tour there's hundreds and thousands of umpires out there we don't need another umpire. There's hundreds and there's thousands of baseball players. We don't need another baseball player. When you're clear on who you are and what you are not, it makes it very easy to create the you know, the, the roster and team of your dreams. And that's what we're doing. I can definitely tell your favorite movie is The Greatest Showman. <laughs> it's got to it. be. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm definitely a fan of Greatest Showman. I'm looking over here at P.T. Barnum right now. I mean, ironically, you got a P.T. Barnum go. book right right here. You know, I, I, uh, I revisit those all the time.
1: So, you know, one thing that we want to obviously, you know, we highlight in this podcast, this podcast was born into quarantine, right? We started April of 2020. Our mission was just to tell the stories of people um, when everyone was locked down and couldn't share their stories like they normally would over a beer or, you know, at the ballpark. But fortunately for you, and it kind of is in a testament to that yellow suit, that that shining light, you never let the pandemic stop you. Um, even with restrictions you still filled out stadiums, I mean obviously at the the capacity that the state allowed, and you had uh, you know some cancellations along the way, but you didn't let the pandemic stop you, but how was it navigating? I mean, you were still a newer team, it was still very early on, um, but how was it
2: navigating through the pandemic? A lot of people struggle with uncertainty, and today today they still do it's It's something that it's hard for us to grasp because we don't know what to do when things are uncertain. However, I have embraced uncertainty since day one. We never know if dancing players and break dancing coaches and all the movie clips we do are going to work, but we do it so often every day we're experimenting. So the uncertainty of that didn't wear me down like it wore on a lot of people. So when we, everyone went home, I said, guys, what a great opportunity we have. Everyone's looking at me like I'm nuts. And by the way, it was that first zoom. So we had a, a lunch zoom and people are wearing costumes and stuff. And I was like, all right, well, we're in good spirits. But, <laughs> but I told them, I was like, I was like, guys, this is awesome. They're like, what? We, we don't know if we can play. I go, yeah, but what do we get to do? So most people think it's like, you know, oh, this sucks. This is going to do this. We said, what do we get to do? So I formed the question. I said, guys, right now, every other team is sitting there thinking and waiting and waiting and waiting. Major league baseball, waiting, waiting, waiting. Everyone's just sitting, waiting, waiting, waiting. We can now play offense even more so like, well, what do you mean? I go, our fans are at home. What do they need right now more than anything? And they said to be entertained. I go, bingo guys. I don't care if you're in operations, food and Bev merchandise. We are all entertainers right now for our fans because we're going to show up for them when they need it most. And they'll show up for us afterwards. So we had an idea palooza and said, everyone bring three ideas of things that we can do to entertain our fans right now. So first a music video, we all did dancing with myself. So we filmed ourselves with our iPhones to that Billy Idol song, dance with myself. Then we had our fans do a music video, hey baby. And them all at their houses sent videos us. Then we started doing cooking with bananas. Literally like we go into each other's houses on Facebook Live. None of our staffs are really great cooks. I mean, they're just trying the best they can. Here's a sweet potato. I'm like, you just put it in the oven. Like, what are you doing? But <laughs> so we started sharing that. And we did music trivia with our announcer. He started doing music trivia at night. And all of a sudden our engagement went like this. And then what happened? Merchandise started going like this. And then we announced we could play, boom, like this. Going to 2021, and you know, the waitlist is over 12,000. So it's how you view things is how you do things. How you view things is how you do things. Most people during COVID view things as a victim. Look what happened to me. Look what happened to my business. Look what I can't do what I used to do. If you view what can you do now? It changes the conversation. It changes the massive action that you will take to make an impact. And that's what we did. It's
0: such a, a positive outlook and such an awesome message. Um, man, this has, been, this has been awesome. But Jesse, well, well, let's, let's talk about the good stuff now. 2022 World Tour. I thought we
2: were. <laughs> <laughs> It's It's all all great,
0: great. but this is what you've been pouring. You know, you're, you've been spending significant amount of time. You and the team uh, over the past couple of months, just with uh, with talking to you, sounds like you guys are killing it in the announcement, by the way, Um, bananas are going to hit the road. Uh, You name it, Daytona, Montgomery, West Palm, Birmingham, Kansas city, a couple other cities too. Um, Here, here's a chance. Let's let's plug the world tour. What should fans expect? And um, you know, what's, what's different about this world tour than uh, the Savannah bananas have ever done?
2: You know, it's funny, we were just talking about COVID. Uh, this all came a lot out of COVID. Now, we were practicing this, practicing this banana ball game. Now, the biggest thing we're doing is we're playing a game that no one ever seen before. It's a two-hour time game. You can steal first. We win every inning. You know, there's no bunting because bunting sucks. Uh, fans catch a foul ball for an out. It's an action-packed, fast game. It's actually like not great for concessions because people don't want to leave their seat. But I was like, I, I, don't, I don't care. Let's, we'll figure that out. Make it a great experience. And so we started playing this game. And uh, the last game we played nine innings an hour and 48 minutes. The average major league game is three hours and 12 minutes. We're literally playing in half the time in the same amount of of game. What would you rather do? Let's spend three to four hours waiting to see something happen or doing an hour and a half to hour and 45. So it's a better, faster game, but which has been four years testing. But during COVID, we said, wow, you know, what if seasonal isn't the way of the future where you just play a game during the summer? And you're stuck with your capacity, your city. You know, every city in COVID was different. The mayors, the government, the, you know, it was different. And so we said, well, what if we were 24-7, 365? What if we played all over the country? Would that open things up? And so we said, all right, do what we do best. Let's do a test. And so we tested the one city world tour. And it was a joke, And but we tested the one city world tour. And you manifest big. So, even this year, we call it the World Tour. Everyone's like, you're mostly staying in the Southeast and going to Kansas City. I'm like, World <laughs> Tour, baby. World <laughs> Tour. World Tour, <laughs> baby. You just wait. Um, ironically, I was actually on the phone with Australia yesterday. So, we are working close and in they'll in the next year oh. to, to be uh, uh, truly, truly global. But again, you manifest big. So, we tested it, went to Mobile. Um, we had a fans suggest numerous cities, but Mobile, they rolled out the yellow carpet. The mayor went nuts. The city went nuts sold 7000 tickets failed miserably with so many things audio uh you know the promotions but at the end of the night it was a huge success and people didn't want to leave 11 o'clock at night the game finished at nine and fans weren't leaving so we knew we had to bring it to more cities so yeah now waitlist is creeping on fifteen thousand for all these cities uh it's uh, it's gonna be unbelievable. Wet West Palm. I mean, you know, potentially having to sell 14,000 tickets, which would be more than like an entire Miami Marlins homestand, uh, which would be uh, pretty cool to do. So we're, we're pushing big. And, you know, I see us going to a, a million fans in 2030, which would be more than every NFL NBA and NHL team. Um, and I think we're on our way. We'll do 200,000 this year and keep growing, growing every year. So we got That's an right. idea to pitch to you. All right. I you're, <laughs> you're
1: a, you're Uh-oh. a,
2: Massa- you're a Massachusetts guy. You obviously like
1: the Red Sox. Um, McCoy Stadium, Pawtucket, Rhode Island.
2: Yeah, we've heard that. People have reached out to us about that. The pineapple, the Pawtucket pineapples. Let's franchise this. So, so you want to do a new (laughs) team there? Start. I mean, Hey, I like, I, I like food. I think pineapples is good. I was thinking we'll bring the bananas up to Pawtucket and do a show there, but uh, that's a there. proof of
0: concept. There you yes, go. Yes.
2: yes. We, we could go up there. If, if we sell that out with 10,000 people, I think you might have something, but the pineapples. All right. You got some opportunity. I think that I'm actually going to answer this. I'm gonna, there's no question there, but I'm actually going to answer this, um, <laughs> which is good when you can start answering things when there's no question, you know, you're to something. <laughs> um, most people, when they come up with a name of a company or name of a team, they're like, Oh, that's a fun name. You got to keep going. So the thing is we have so many things for Savannah bananas that we haven't even unveiled yet. And we're six years in, we had 10 years of ideas. And every year we're unveiling new things. And when you, when you think that far into a brand, you always stay relevant. And most teams, you know, it's like, we're the so-and-so, so-and-so it's like, Oh, it's a fun name. And then that's it. You have to really, really think long and think deep to create something. So with the pineapples, I would quite, all right, you know, all right, what are you doing with your mascot? What are some of your characters? Obviously there's food opportunities, but keep going, keep going, keep going. And if you only have three, four five ideas, you might need to think further. And that's what we try to outthink and not outspend. So thanks for letting me answer a question that was not asked. No,
1: of, course. <laughs> of course, the fruit of the loom, league, you know, make it, no, I like make the Savannah I, Bananas big. But,
2: like you know, it. let's, like let's head
1: into baseball today. So obviously we talked about MLB in a lockout, but how can Rob Manfred and professional baseball take a
2: page out of the Savannah Banana book and the Jesse Cole story? Right now they can't. And, and, and here's why I would say that there, there's too much red tape. You got the players union, you got the owners, you got the league, you got too many people trying to fight for what they want, which is fine. It's, it's a democracy. That's what happens. <laughs> Who do we report to? Ourselves. And most importantly, our fans. So we do things every day that we test in front of our fans. If our fans respond well to it, we do it more and we plus it. As Walt Disney would say, you plus it, you take it to the next level. You know, uh, Ron Manfred, I, I'm close with David Novak, the CEO of Young Brands. He's talked to Manfred about us and what we're doing. And, you know, Manfred has no interest. And because the reality is it's they can't, you know, breakdancing coaches, dancing players, you know, guys in stilts, all the fun. I mean, players coming out. Uh, literally, when we score our first run every game, so the first run scores, the bananas, every player runs into the grandstand high-fiving all the fans. So if you look in the dugout, there's nobody in the dugout. Like, if you're the other team, like, are they really doing this? I'm like, yes, we are. Because we got it from the Lambeau Leap. Like, they jump and celebrate the fans. What if we had the entire team just go into the fans? Like, that won't happen in MLB. I mean, having our players give roses to little girls in the crowd during the games. Having our players actually get autographs from kids on their hats and on their jerseys. It's a different game. Some of it can happen. I think they're starting to saying, okay, guys, it's okay if you express yourselves and celebrate a little bit more. We are like we have idea sessions on scoring celebrations. Today, our idea session with my, our director of entertainment is first base put out celebrations. So like, think about how specific that is. We're literally talking about when a first baseman gets it out to end the inning, he's going to have a streamer, confetti streamer popper in his back pocket, and then just pop it right on the guy, the runner when it's over. How do you not <laughs> laugh at that? Like, that's ridiculous. That's one of the ideas. So we take it to a whole nother level and, and thank God we're allowed to. So MLB, let the guys have fun more. Let them express themselves. Break down the barriers of what can happen between players and fans. Allow the players to interact with more of the fans. Show more behind the scenes. Stop talking about the traditional way the game has always been done. Don't make incremental changes like no pitching changes this inning. Make bigger changes. That makes the game faster in under two and a half hours. There's a lot of big moves they got to do, and they, they need big leadership to be able to do it. And I hope it happens. And you're, yeah, doing, all of, you're
1: doing all of this and cutting the time of the game in half. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so this we whole...
2: even have a halftime show in banana ball games. Like that's literally yeah. stop the game and right, everyone off the field in the middle of the game with guys on base and have a two minute halftime show. And we still have it under two hours. So it's,
0: the, the, it's possible, right? This time of game stuff, you know, put it on the back burner. That's the bottom line here.
2: But when it's, when it's all about the game and the players and all the specialty pitchers coming in, everything's about science and the launch angles and the data, 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 data. You go back into the seventies, the average game was two hours and a half because it was one guy pitching eight innings maybe nine innings i mean Nolan ryan had like hundreds of complete games and he was throwing 100 miles an hour his if his arm if his arm could do it why well, can't more guys but now it's like give me five inning starter then i'll go to my specialty relief here i'll do this and it just becomes all this mix, mix and matching crap and it just delays the game and let the let the kids play and actually literally let them play have smaller rosters that's, that's my idea
0: yeah well, Jesse, I mean, you, you've got so many good tidbits and so many thoughts. You've obviously been extremely passionate about your work. Let's, let's close it out. Um, your book, finding your yellow tux now on Amazon and anywhere you can buy books, um, which by the way, you know, an awesome story about your partnership with scribe, how you weren't sure if you wanted to partner up with them. You ended up going to market with them and the, now the books everywhere, really cool stuff. Um, bottom line, your, your 10 second pitch. How can anyone be successful just by standing
2: out? <laughs> and I'm not
0: asking you to divulge the book secrets or no, anything. No, it's not, right? it's not
2: secrets. It's, it's, very, it's very simple. We weren't born to fit in. We were born to stand out. So find what gives you energy and amplify it by 10. And don't be worried about what people think. Just start doing, start learning, and start having fun. And it's amazing the results that will happen. And
1: what's the best way to find that joy and success, especially in the business world where you have to take those risks and you know, you might not be you know, financially successful and independent right off the bat. um, How can people find and emulate the success that you've had?
2: Jeff Bezos said our success is a direct function of how many experiments we do per year, per month, per week, per day. Start experimenting. Start experimenting. You want to find success, start taking small bets, test something new every day. Every single game, the Bananas do four brand new live promotions they've never done in front of a live crowd every night. Out of those, Throughout the years, hundreds have failed miserably. I mean, the living pinata, where we actually had kids with plastic bats hitting an a intern with the turtle costume on and throwing candy, that was a disaster, all right? The frozen turkey promotion, the horse head race, so many have failed, but some have turned out great. And you can't find the great until you mess around with some things that aren't great. Get through the messy to get through the great. So start experimenting, and you'd be amazed at what happens. I love we it. We can't about, let you go without Yeah, the, I was going to say, we talked yes. about the
1: business, we talked about the balls, we got to talk about beer. I see the yeah. growler right in your over your shoulder. Um, what are some of your favorite beers, and what what are the, some of the hot spots in Georgia? Yeah, I haven't been
2: asked that question, but I am a craft beer connoisseur. I drink two Excellent. drinks in my life: water and craft beer. Keep it very, very simple. Uh, and I developed that love because we started hosting beer festivals with our first team in Gastonia and then had some in Savannah. We even had a tap of the morning beer festival starting at 9 a.m. because you can't drink all day if you don't start in, the, start morning. in the morning. Let's go. <laughs> oh, let's go. That, that shirt killed. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still I'm still. So at my wedding, I had a custom uh, a double IPA made and Emily had a Belgian triple made. So we like the stronger ones. I'd rather have two good, strong ones. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely an IPA, double IPA. If it's hazy, it needs to be a little bit stronger. It can't be a light 4% hazy. That's, that's, that's not good for me. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the route I go. Um, and we're going to have, at some point, a Savannah Bananas Brewery, every single beer made with bananas. We already have a regular banana beer, but I can see a banana triple. I could see, uh, you know, banana pudding stout. I could see banana muffin, not muffin brown. <laughs> I mean, you name it, we're going to have some fun. So that'll be in the future as well.
1: We're gonna try to get our hands on. It's from Eagle Brewery, which is in England, but they have it on tapped up in Rhode Island. Banana bread beer. To die for so yes. if we can get our hands on it we'll send some down to savannah all right
2: yeah the more we can
0: send beer to each other the better guys i love it i love it good good beer in uh in savannah too moon river a few others it's, a, it's
2: an awesome yeah, Moon river service is our partner they do a great job yeah we have a few other coastal empire a lot, a lot of good beer and there's yeah. more coming the breweries are obviously opening savannah 14 million tourists uh come every year so
0: it's growing i love it i was one of the new ones in june this year loved it went with my family for a day or two awesome nice. stuff um Jesse, thanks so much, man. You know, to close out, where can our listeners find the Savannah Bananas? Where can they engage with you guys and keep up what's uh, with what's happening in your world?
2: Savannah Bananas, you know, we uh, decided to have no website, no social media, nothing. So good luck trying to find us. No, it's a, I'm sorry. I love that question because it's like, uh, the, the best option is search. Usually, uh, if you search Savannah Bananas, <laughs> you'd you know, be surprised like, what people say to us with that. Yeah, it's like, all right, you're going to go down, you're going to take, get in a car, go by, you're going to see a guy in a portage on, turn the left there, uh, and then you'll find a little <laughs> store, the Savannah <laughs> Banana store. It's a little hut. Um, now, in reality, Savannah Bananas is very easy to find. We spend most of our time on TikTok. Yeah, you mentioned over 900,000 followers, very heavy on that. And myself, I'm easy. Search Yellow Tuck. You'll find me. I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. Perfect. Well, Jesse, thanks so much. Good luck in 2022 and beyond. We're excited to uh, continue in
1: following your story. And uh, hopefully we'll try to get to a game very time soon. But uh, thank you again and
2: good luck. Love to have you guys. You bring the beer. I'll bring the fun. There okay. we go. Done. Done. We'll see you guys. And that was just
1: the man in the yellow tuxedo, Jesse Cole, owner and founder of the Savannah Bananas. One hell of an interview. One hell of an interview. I mean, obviously he's the highly touted keynote speaker, he's done hundreds of these. So he knew what he was going to say, but he was uh super cool to interact with. And I mean, he's just as fun as he is, you know, talking one-on-one as he is talking to thousands of people every night at a baseball game. But let's hope we can get down to a Bananas baseball game uh, one day soon when they're not sold out in 10 minutes. But, uh, you know, great stuff from Jesse.
0: I'll tell you what I looked and there's like, what really sucks is there's nothing close, but that's, that's fine. You know, they're not, I get they're where they're going to make their money is down South. Like, I, I totally understand that. Or like areas where baseball is really not well represented. Like you put that in Boston right away and everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm not yeah. going, I'm not going to go see people dance on a fucking baseball diamond. Right. But you know, it's, it's proof that this, this is just fun and there's just a game at the end of the day. Right. It's like, you know you inject so much positivity there's so much to learn about business from this guy too it's like you have to create fans and they've done it the, every single game like ten thousand people on the wait list. it's nuts yeah I mean, they I mean, haven't I mean, had a game that wasn't sold out no
1: i mean even during the pandemic they sold out everything obviously more of a limited capacity but <clears throat> people are trying to get out and enjoy and it's you know we talked about it on the on the interview um How can Major League Baseball take a page out of his book? Because no one wants to sit through a freaking four-hour baseball game anymore.
0: He's like, yeah, they're not going
1: to. (laughs) I get that though. Um, Cut cut the time in half, doing the same shit
0: and doing more. The world tour goes to Daytona Beach, Montgomery, Alabama, West Palm, Columbus, Georgia, Birmingham, Alabama, Kansas City, and they've got two games in Savannah. So. Honestly, those Florida games they intrigue me. Yeah, um, nothing really else. Kansas City, I'll pass. Been there, good place. Columbus, Georgia, eh? I don't know what the hell's out there. Birmingham, catch a catch an Alabama something. Alabama baseball, how we're having? <laughs> Interesting, but it goes to show. I mean, people are gonna go. They're gonna be lining at the doors for this, and I don't blame them. If I was down there, I'd be the first one there positive um they're creating some cool stuff let's go into sports balls presented by manscaped i mean
1: every man woman and child needs one every man woman and child needs one it's manscaped use code house 20 percent off and free shipping uh new lawnmower 4.0 a bunch of great products making more deodorants (laughs) Um, great lotions, everything. We both use it. We're both very happy with it. You should use it as well. No longer a Christmas gift, but maybe a Valentine's Day gift. And if you don't have a lucky lady to gift it, gift it for yourself. We've also, <laughs> thank you later.
0: Um, Manscaped.com slash house, 20% off and free shipping. I should just ask for that for Valentine's Day. The okay. lawnmower 4.0. I need, I, I have had my lawnmower 3.0 for a long time. I swear by it. Um, I do need some new blades. I'm not changing them out frequently enough.
1: Manscaped.com slash house, 20% off.
0: <laughs> and I'm going to go to manscaped.com slash house to go and get it. And I'm going to get 20% off and put some money into my own pocket because of how much I'm saving. And that's balls. Not our commission. <laughs> <laughs> not our commission. No. Um, yeah. Manscaped. Great stuff. Let's go into balls. I mean, what what the hell was this weekend of football? In a good way. We said this a couple weeks ago, and we're like, man, these playoffs are going to suck. This has totally changed a lot. Um, Every single game except the Bills-Pats has come down to the
1: wire. Really? The, even the divisionals?
0: I don't know. Well, except Steelers-Chiefs.
1: So those yeah. two games. Everything That's else really has true.
0: come down to the wire. At this point, I just wish the Steelers would have won. Like, I wish the Steelers beat the Chiefs if they were just going to pull this bullshit. Chiefs are out, though. We do not have to worry. I I mean, yeah, I all right, it's a, yes, yeah. the Chiefs are out. <laughs> it's a perfect the Chiefs are out. Let's, let's talk about game one. I mean, Chiefs go up by a bunch. Everyone's like, God damn it. The Bengals just wanted them to be good. I think, what was it, 21-3 at one point in favor of the Chiefs. Um, Bengals stuck around. The, I think... You know, I'm I'm looking back, and I turn to right before halftime, where Mahomes is like, "Yo, it, I'm gonna you know try to get one more playoff," and then he throws a checkdown pass in the flat. Um, Bengals make the stop, and it stays at twenty one ten going into halftime. Totally change the game because the Chiefs scored three points after that, and the Bengals tied it up. That is miraculous against the Chiefs. I mean. That that was just incredible football from the Cincinnati Bengals. I never thought I'd be saying that a year into the Joe Burrow era, but here we are. Well, two years, two years. I'm going to say one only because of the injury.
1: That's all. That's one fair, year. I mean, you got to give credit to like the, the, the Bengals right now seem like that team of destiny where it's like two years ago, they had a first round pick new head coach or a uh, number one, overall pick new head coach. You know, everyone was laughing at the Bengals. The Marvin Lewis arrow is done. The Andy Dalton arrow is done. No one wanted to go to Cincinnati. And that franchise has turned around tremendously. I mean, now it's becoming a destination where people would love to play for Joe Burrow. He is, you know, what they say, the league's in good hands and the AFC's in good hands, but it's true. Like Joe Burrow is, is pretty freaking legit. Jamar Chase is electric. And, you know, you got to give credit to the defense. It's they they stopped Mahomes. They picked him off, I believe, twice. Um had a big stop at the at the at halftime right before halftime and you know when that team you know starts developing their offensive line and some more marquee free agents come like this is going to be that that next dynasty right and I don't even call the Chiefs a dynasty because it's like in four years yes they made four straight AFC championships but they lost one Super Bowl where they didn't even score a touchdown They won another against a team that didn't throw more than 20 passes and they lost to Brady twice. You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, it was this, the Bengals have something brewing and I am all for it. My biggest takeaway from this game is the chiefs had a bad offensive line. They stood up, they stood up today and kept, you know, Burrow pretty well protected against guys like Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram. Like the chiefs defense is no slouch before Kansas City to you know go out last year and be like wow you know Mahomes needs some help on the offensive line let's bring in Joe Tooney uh Thune. let's bring in Orlando Brown uh let's let's draft Creed Humphrey who's a, a fantastic one of the top rookie offensive linemen
0: now what's his face uh Fisher too right
1: Eric Fisher's there Chris Long's there like they have some playmakers the offensive line though could not buy Patrick
0: Mahomes a minute I know oh, Fisher's he, is, sorry. Fisher's is with the Colts. Yeah. He left the chiefs and that's why yeah. they did all that shit.
1: He's he, this, like he was running around, turned around play after play. I mean, the Bengals defense was on him and did not give him enough time. Because again, if they gave him time, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, Travis Kelsey, any of those guys would have been open, but he kept getting turned around off balance, running around like crazy, trying to make something. And that was like the big difference maker. That was the difference maker of the game. And you know, if the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl, I think they would have. I think they would have won. It's nice to see some fresh blood. It's nice to see something new.
0: Yeah, that's. It makes you want to
1: watch. It makes you want to watch it because it's like you know, after seeing if we saw the Chiefs for a third straight Super Bowl again, it's like you know, people want to hate on greatness, which is fine. But it's like, okay, like, am I really going to watch where it's been like, eh? I know what the outcome probably is going to be.
0: Dude, what really got a kick out of me was the local kansas city station that posted that thing it's like no one expected us to be here we shouldn't have been here in the first place the Fuck up. go fuck
1: yourself you had a slow start okay but you turned it around and People again with 18 weeks, us it didn't be. freaking matter like you were always supposed to be there you have one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league you have one of the best offensive trios in the league you have stars on both sides of the ball. You have a great veteran head coach, a young, savvy offensive coordinator, a solid vet defensive coordinator. You have everything. You have everything. Shut up. You knew you were going to be there. Don't start this shit.
0: Uh, so the Chiefs finished 14-6 and on the year. Uh, who were their losses to? I'm looking. They, they lost to the Chargers. They had a bad loss to the Ravens by one. Not a bad loss. It just stung. The Bills kicked their ass. The Titans kicked their ass. Oh, then they beat everybody else. And the Bengals beat them already. People forgot. The Bengals beat them already in Cincinnati. Um, I I want Joe Burrow. I, I'm, I love Joe Burrow. I'm just going to say it. Who doesn't? How can you not love this dude? kid's a baller he smokes cigars and dresses like a flashy asshole I mean this is but he's is good fun life. and
1: respectable and it's like he has a good story where it's like yeah Urban Meyer didn't choose him to start in Ohio State he transferred he gave Coach O and LSU another title brought back some glory made one of the best college runs ever yes Goes to the Bengals where like everyone's like oh fuck you should have pulled you know an Eli and got traded out of there and stuff but he stuck through it they clearly trust him enough to be like, hey, I know we need to improve our offensive line, but get me my guy, Jamar Chase, with that fifth pick. And now it's like, oh, shit, I want to play there. That team's fun. Like, they're doing everything right, and I hope it carries over to Super Bowl Sunday.
0: I sure hope so. Um, they they just look great. Um, and it looks they, – they're, they're looking good. Their secondary is excellent. Von Bell has turned into the safety he's been. Jesse Bates made that incredible play today. Um, Free agent market's going to be kind of the Bengals, hopefully. Hopefully they spend some money, you know? I think maybe a guy like Von Miller is a little too old for them at this point. But I don't know. Do you go add someone like Gilmore? Like that would be really good.
1: I mean, I think they got to. I
0: think they got to pay on an offensive line. Yeah, get someone like a Brendan Scherf kind of deal.
1: Yeah, pay on offensive line, and I mean, you know, I I'm not sure what Joe Mixon's contract's looking like if he's, you know, a free agent anytime soon. But you know, he proved his worth. Um, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of talent and potential for the Bengals. But again, they could
0: win it and make themselves even more of an attractive free agent destiny. Yeah, that's the thing. Then you've got, like I, – I would say the top free agent is going to be Devontae Adams. I don't really think there's a need for him to go there because it's just, no. like, so crowded. There's too many wide receivers there. Um, you've got Boyd. You've got T. Higgins. You've got Jamar, obviously. Um, you've got C.J. Uzama, who's had a – what the what the hell got into him? He had a great year. He's getting better as he gets older. It's nuts.
1: I mean, he's hurt, though. Hopefully he can play on – on sunday
0: true Uh, yeah that's right um shit they could get honey badger from the chiefs (laughs) yeah yeah there's a lot of free agent uh offensive line directions they can go and get someone like a Brendan sure for uh cam robinson from jacksonville who's been good and finally he's just gonna be like fuck this i don't want to play here anymore
1: I mean, we didn't even – we just talked about all of these guys, but we didn't even give any credit to Evan McPherson. The reason you draft a kicker, that guy is the next Justin Tucker. I mean, he is – lights out, he's super young, and he has just been so reliable for that team, and his he's just ice. I mean, it's, again, like, you lose the coin toss after watching the Bills have so much pain for losing that coin toss the week before – and it's like, holy shit, like this could be it. The defense comes up and you put all the faith into your offense and then leading up to Evan McPherson, biggest kick of his life right now. And he was nails. He was absolute nails and
0: all season long, all season long, that guy's been the dude.
1: He's been the dude. I'm
0: almost positive. Team of destiny.
1: It's a team of destiny.
0: They are a team of destiny. I, yes, I agree. Um, I'm almost positive. Did I fucking drop him off my, that really sucks. I think I dropped him off my dynasty league, but I've got Joe Burrow. It's okay. Yeah. I've Did got Carlson. I, I just, this, it's the story, man. It's the story. Um, <laughs> I've got Burrow and I've got Jamar Chase. And that's what won me, my dynasty league this year. So that's fine with me, but a transition to the NFC game. Rams beat the Niners by a field goal field goal. I think. Yeah. Uh, this was it 20 to 17 sounds about right yeah jimmy g jimmy g they scored they scored to tie it jimmy g
1: was driving down the field interception uh rams kicker gay iced it with the field goal called game i mean this one again no one expect if you're talking about not expecting anyone to be there no one expected the 49ers to be there which is also kind of crazy because like it's their second NFC championship in, in three seasons. So give credit where credit's due. Like, they're still a good team. Um, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. Is that Jimmy G's last throw? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, his name has been thrown around a few different teams where it's like he can go to the Steelers. He can go to the um, the Saints. The 49 I mean,
0: um, the Saints. Maybe in, the Bucks at this point. Does spin, yeah, after, spin zone, does he replace after, Tom know, Brady like, as he was originally drafted to do? Does he replace Tom Brady in Tampa?
1: If that even is he, if he is retired. But I mean, there's, it's going to be interesting because it's like clearly the 49ers have respect and like Jimmy G, but they also drafted Trey Lance in the first round last year. I don't know what that means. You know, is it prepping for the future? Like Jimmy G is still very young and still pretty damn successful. Um, But going back to the game itself, I mean, it was a close game. It's a division rival. The 49ers have beat the Rams the past six times. They covered the spread at three and a half, but they just couldn't close it out. We knew the Rams needed to make it to the Super Bowl because their future depends on it. They do not have a first round pick for a couple of years. They don't have a lot of picks in general. you know, they had to go out and acquire Von Miller. They obviously traded a ton of picks for Matthew Stafford. OBJ is on a one year deal. So is Von Miller. He, his contract's expiring. Aaron Donald, this is his prime years and stuff. Like this team needs to win now. So going back to the Super Bowl, you know, their first since uh, 2018, 2019, 20, 2018 season. That was Tom Brady's last in New England.
0: It was 2018 to nineteen, so yeah. 20. so it's like
1: obviously this team has always been very good, but having Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup having one of the best seasons ever by a wide receiver, I mean he's putting it all out on the field uh, it was a It was a great, great game, very defensive minded with two solid offenses, but it all comes down to the big dance in two weeks.
0: Yes, it does um. Jimmy G's contract is 24 million bucks next year. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So it has to be, I mean, you have to trade him, obviously. You have to trade him. And
1: it's one of those things where, honestly, people are talking about the money with Jimmy G. Quarter, like, take away the name, right? Take away his name. Here is a quarterback who has been to two Super Bowls in three years. He has a record of, 30, 40 something to like 10 or 12. Pretty solid, you know, not, not MVP level, but not on the floor, right above average. People like him. People trust him. He gets the job done. Do you want him for your franchise that needs a quarterback? Nine out of 10 times, you're going to say yes. Now you put the name Jimmy G on him and it's going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, injuries tom brady's like supposed to be you know taking him over they don't trust him that much in the 49ers system like blah 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 blah. that's the question but right now right now if you just take his resume the money's fine the money's like okay that makes sense
0: i agree it's he has and i didn't realize this until debo tweeted it before the game he's like everyone's hating on my man jimmy g but just go check his winning percentage and then get back to me i'll wait and I checked it. You're right. He's 33 and 14. You're right. That's, that's nuts. That's real. I will take that any day. What is that? That's, it's like basically a little over two games. You win, you go two and one every three games. It's pretty damn good. That's like 70, 67% of games, basically. I, I'll take that any day. Guy, the guy has won. I mean, again, 2019, they went 13-3. and three. He's won 71% of the games he started. I just did that math. 33 out of seen. 47. Looking again, seen. now take the name
1: away from the resume. 67.7% completion percentage, 11,852 yards, 71 touchdowns, 38 interceptions with a rating of 99. He's rushed 192 yards for five touchdowns. And he's only lost nine fun- nine balls in his career.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's been great. Everyone thinks of him as this, like, young dude, but he's 30 now. So that's the thing. He's won two Super Bowls. Shit. I mean. That's funny.
2: He's been a part of two Super Bowls. That
1: <laughs> Oh, fuck you. <laughs> the only season did he – so it was 2016 they
0: won, correct? No. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh... well, no, no. I'll take to Google. It was 20, It was technically 2015 and 20. So he won in 2015 with them.
1: Yeah. The, the 2016 season, though, was when he went 2 and 0 with four touchdowns, zero interceptions for the deflate gate inter, um, suspension. I'm pretty sure that's what it was, yeah. It was the year after the Super Bowl that they didn't – or no. Yeah, that that season they did win the Super
0: Bowl. Yeah, they won the Super Bowl in the deflate gate year. Yes. Correct. Yeah, so, I mean, afterwards – He started up the the year before he got hurt. Right. But that was when – so, remember, that was when Jimmy G started the first two games and then he got hurt, and then Bursette had to play the other two. Correct. And then Brady came back. Yeah, but
1: still, I mean, good start. It was his, that, was his, that was his sample size of, okay, this guy's
0: actually legit. All right, he can play, which makes it – it stings a little bit, not going to lie. But I wouldn't trade that for a couple more Super Bowls than we had with Tom Brady. No, I'm all set. Yeah. Um, gut reactions. I just no analysis. We'll do that all next week. Who wins? Who wins this game? Don't don't break it down because I have I'm resisting the urge. I'm saying Bengals. You say Bengals. I'll take bangles. the Rams. All right, that's fine. Little we'll, we'll each pick a side. Perfect. Done. All right. <laughs> we'll break it all down next week. Uh, you have any Pro Bowl predictions before we even break? Who cares? <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Like it's, and I used to really
1: enjoy the Pro Bowl but like, who cares? You're you're, the guys that you want to see are going to throw like one pass, two passes, one rush, one sack. You know, it's like the game sucks. The game sucks. The whole weekend's not that fun anymore. Like it's really, I don't don't even watch it. I'll catch the highlights. (laughs) I'll catch the highlights. It's not like, baseball where it's like I love to see the home run derby you know and then like we'll watch a couple innings of the all-star game the NBA one I mean there's no defense but like at least it's like a 250 to 230 game the Pro Bowl no one cares they don't they don't even care 90% of the guys start opting out now they're just like now I'm all set I have an injury Oh, they are we stations
0: over there though? They had the they had those little iPad stations set up a couple of years ago and they, I think they still do that. Once they moved you know, it
1: out of Hawaii, that was it.
0: I, I'm yes, yes, I agree. They're doing it in Vegas this year, which is pretty sick, but they did move it out of Hawaii. That sucks. It's like half the reason you go to the Pro Bowl. It's like, oh shit, it's like the it's Hawaii. Awesome. Yeah. Also, it's Matt LaFleur versus Mike Vrabel. That what a slap in the face. It's like, hey, you guys were the best two teams and you're both out. You guys were both out in week one, but you get to coach the fucking Pro Bowl. Oh, that sucks. That really sucks. Um, Al Michaels is calling the Super Bowl. Do you think he bets on it? 100%. Okay. I, 100%. What, what do we think he's betting? That is, assume that the Rams are three and a half point favorites right now. You think he takes the spread on that? I feel like he's a very conservative better. So what, is he going to take Rams money line? That's I think, it? I think so. Rams money – oh, I don't know. He he definitely looks at the spread zone. It's like, oh, that's, that's too high, like for he everything.
1: Is, yeah, he doesn't strike me as a guy that goes crazy and does parlays or does player props. I feel like he's just a straight – 50k yeah, money. He lines. seems
0: to be. He seems to be embracing gambling, though, at, at a cool 78 years old. I'm pretty I sure. Then you have to. You have to. Uh, everyone's doing it now. I, I know. I'm just amazed. Like he has it. Yeah, he's 77. I'm amazed no one's called him. Well, everyone's called him for it. Let me rephrase. Everyone's like Al Michaels is clearly gambling in this game. Like. I'm just amazed he hasn't gotten in like any serious trouble, but I guess that's what happens when you put in the work and you've been, yeah. he's been doing this since 1964 calling games. He's been with NBC since 1971. He's not doing any Olympics, right? I don't think so. Although he probably did back in the day. Yeah, he did. He was always the
1: Olympics. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he did boxing with Marv Albert back in the day too. Hello, until, Marv, until Marv Albert nearly killed a prostitute. People forget. <laughs> I don't know how many people forget that. It's a pretty, it's a pretty memorable thing. Um, and that's Marv Albert killing a prostitute is where we ended up from. All right, the Bengals, <laughs> the Bengals beat the Chiefs. Um, I'm I'm pretty pumped for the Super Bowl. This is like everyone's like, wow, what a crappy <clears throat> Super Bowl. I'm pumped those for the most likable Super Bowl. Days. It's like Matthew Stafford finally gets his
1: chance after, you know, having a decaying career in Detroit. Joe is this young new talent. Can he win another championship after winning one in LSU? Two young coaches, um, a lot of players that this is like a, a great a lot of veteran players for opportunities. Uh Aaron Donald, Von
0: Miller for his second, Odell, oh, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, um, Joe Mixon. You got Eli Apple and Odell Beckham Jr. Former Giants and BJ for Hill. Super Bowl and BJ yep. Hill. BJ Hill too. That that's yeah. a slap in the face for you. Oh, good for them. <laughs> good for them. <laughs> Eli Apple, formerly cancerous in the locker room. Well, Eli Apple
1: can kick rocks. I mean, he. Was talking shit and getting burnt by Tyreek Hill. You had one stop. Like, relax, buddy. Okay. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., he never talked poorly of New York. You know, they traded. Oh, no,
0: he actually talked worse about Cleveland than he did New York. He had a great his career was all you could tell, look, Cleveland hindered his career.
1: He's now he's back in the Rams Damn. with you know, someone that's going to appreciate him. And surround their offense around him, and he's doing well. And you know, and he's like, I, fine, he, he doesn't have to be the number one guy there, which I'm sure. No, you know. And I was excited when the Giants signed him and very upset when they traded him. I was just like, you know what? But it's time to move on.
0: It was cool to see him, uh, and I'll leave it with this. Um, it was cool to see him like mentoring Debo today, basically. Like, Debo <laughs> was on the sideline, he was he was like crying, balling his eyes out. And Odell Beckham doesn't like gallivant around, he runs up to Debo and's like, dude, like, you've got the world at your hands, man. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that. I think so. one
1: thing people do forget, though, is Robert Woods was on this team.
0: Yeah, what the hell happened to him?
1: Before his ACL, the same week they signed OBJ.
0: Oh, yeah, he's not fucking coming back. There's no way. Cup, no. J- Odell, Um Van Jefferson. have Gerald Everett, and they have um, – Van Jefferson. No, they. Yeah, Van Jefferson. Who's the – no, I don't think they do have Gerald Everett, do they? No, they have Tyler Higby. It's Higby. Yeah. Everett left that team to go play. Yeah. That's what it is. It's for the Seahawks. Yeah. They have a talented
1: squad, talented, talented squad. And Beckham can be number
0: two there, which is huge. I think like, he's like, all right, cool. I know my place. I'm checking my ego at the door in LA, which is hard to do for a guy like him. Right. He did it. He proved it. He proved he wasn't the problem. Good for him. He could be like AB where he just constantly runs his mouth and, and gives up his career like that i don't know i'm i'm pumped no i'm very pumped for the super bowl i need to think about where i'm placing my money though and that is for next week we'll do props we'll do all this random stuff that's episode 75
1: wait 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 we haven't I'm done it in a while we got to bring it back positivity corner
0: okay okay i
1: haven't done it in a while time to bring it's it been back a few weeks good vibes only we'll go to new hampshire this postal worker noticed a resident's mail was piling up and ended up saving her life. The resident wasn't able to get up from a fall for over three days. So New Market USPS worker, Kayla Beridge of New Hampshire realized during her shift that on this past week, mail was piling up for four days at the resident's home. She found this odd and she couldn't, um, she was trying to contact the person, knocking on the door, anything, no answer. Um, her instincts ended up being right. She requested a wellness check and found that an older woman was trapped and fell, um, broke her hip and ended up saving her life just by going above and beyond in her daily job. Thought it was a good little note local to new England. And uh, yeah, it's time to bring back positivity corner.
0: Yeah. I'm right with you. Um, it's another feel good story from New Hampshire this time. Um, wow. Yeah. Reading the article now. That's uh Mid 80s woman. Yeah, that's um that's great. Good for her. She had hypothermia too. That's horrible. Um yeah. dehydration, but she's uh, she's stable and recovering well, which is good, according to the latest update. So it's great to hear. Very positive episode, although we had some streaks of negativity in the balls uh, segment, admittedly. So keeping it a positive, keeping it a positive, keeping it a positive. That's all for us. That's episode 75. Uh, You know where to find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. That's Will and I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.